Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, psychology grad student, spouse, mom, and advocate for change. On this podcast, I provide a space for women to share their stories. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today and enjoy the episode. everyone. Quick trigger warning. We do briefly mention sexual assault and suicide in this episode. Also, if the amplitude of the conversation isn't like the best, I apologize. Um, my computer just, you know, uh, stopped picking up my microphone and uh, I didn't realize it. So that's a good time. I fixed it the best I could. I You can hear us, <laughs> and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, everyone. Today, I'm here with Jessica. Jessica Pritchett is a 35-year-old female. You're only like one year uh, younger than me. Look at that. <laughs> uh, she has been married for seven years and with her husband for 10 years. Jessica has two children and one on the way. Congratulations. Her son, Brantley, is two years old, and her daughter, Isabella, who passed away during childbirth. Jessica has been teaching for 15 years. She'll be teaching math to fourth graders for her 16th year. Well, thank you <laughs> for being a teacher. I know right now for my teacher friends, it's pretty rough out there. Yes, it is. <laughs> Uh, but that's not why we're here. We're not here to talk about teaching. I actually asked you to come on because I saw a viral post of yours. Yeah. <laughs> um, and towards the end, we'll talk about what kind of uh, issues you've had to deal with from going viral, which is my biggest fear. I'm always like, oh my gosh. I, I tell my, my Facebook friends all the time, and I'm not making this public because I do not want to go viral and have to deal with the kind of BS that might come. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so Jessica, I would love for you to share with us the story that you shared on social media and what happened to you and your experience. Okay. Um, my husband and I had tried for five years to get pregnant and we were um, unsuccessful. So we decided to go through fertility treatments and through IVF, we conceived our daughter, Isabella. Um, the pregnancy was going well. Um, I didn't have any issues besides gestational diabetes. She was very healthy. Um, however, at my 18 week scan, I had expressed that I had some pain and, um, other things going on that I didn't know was, um, you know, should be happening or not. So they did an exam and they found out that I was already three centimeters dilated. Um, and so they decided to hook me up to a contraction monitor and, um, I wasn't having active contractions. They asked me to go ahead and induce labor then. And I refused. Um, they set me up in an, um, anti-partum room and I stayed there for two weeks trying to save Isabella. Uh, they attempted to do what's called a cerclage. And the surgery was unsuccessful because I didn't have enough cervix for them to tie a band around. So they sent me back to my room and 
two hours later, my water broke. Um, then doctors came in, again, urged me to um, induce labor, and I refused. Um, I wanted to save her as much, like, my heart just couldn't do it. Um, so we continued in the hospital um, until I was in a large amount of pain, and they did um, an exam, and they found out that um, I had an infection, and it was a life-threatening infection. And so the doctors, again, urged us to um, terminate our pregnancy, and um, I still didn't want to do it. It wasn't until my husband was at my bedside begging me to induce labor so he didn't lose both of us. Hmm. Um, and so um, on April 3rd, um, I had to sign papers that allowed the doctors to induce labor, which I knew Isabella either wouldn't survive or she wouldn't survive after very long after childbirth. Mm -hmm. And so I had to make the decision to terminate, to terminate her life because mine was in danger. Um, and so I signed the papers um, and I labored for two hours with her. Um, and I, my heart knew that she probably wouldn't survive because she was breached. And uh, she, uh, when she came out, like I immediately asked if she was breathing and they said no. Um, and so um, they gave her to us and let us spend, um, we spent several hours with her, holding her and just spending time with her until um, they suggested that we let them take her, which was the most excruciating thing that has ever happened to me. Yeah. Yeah, my uh, spouse and I was having complications with our twins uh, and we had to have a discussion about what would happen if it was me or them. And, and people listening might think that sounds callous, but like sometimes you have to make really hard decisions that you can't, you can't help. And so we had to have that very hard discussion and I'll never forget what he said. He said, we can't make another you, but we could make another baby. And while we know like logically it wouldn't be the same babies, uh, we knew that my life was more important than the possibility of them surviving. Right. And that's how we felt about it. And, and other people probably have different feelings, but it sounds like your spouse and you had similar feelings. We did. And it was very, very hard for me. And when I saw, you know, how upset my husband was, he, he loved Isabella and does love her so much. When, when I saw him with tears in his eyes begging me to let them do this so I wouldn't die, I, I finally agreed because I could see that it was causing him great pain, but I didn't want him to lose us both. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't know. I mean, you obviously weren't told the same thing I was uh, because you now have one child and one on the way. 
Uh, but I was told after the complications with the twins that I was under no circumstances to have any other children. Uh, and so I got a tubal ligation and my spouse got a vasectomy. And I always wonder like, if they should fail, which is highly unlikely, it's like a 0. 0.000 whatever chance, right? It's, it's yeah. really unlikely. <laughs> um, I would have to make the difficult decision to terminate that pregnancy because I would probably die. And, you know, I don't think, I, I, I shouldn't say I don't think, I don't know what goes through women's minds because I haven't had to make that choice. Um, I do know uh, women who have had to, and they've expressed, and we've had them on, that it was a difficult choice. It, it wasn't easy. And I can imagine in your situation, you had such attachment and you tried so hard that it was a difficult decision for you as well. It was. It was absolutely heartbreaking. And And my mom and my sisters had come up because we were this happened in Virginia and we actually traveled to Maryland for, to be at Bethesda hospital, but my family came up from Florida to be with us. And it was, it was, it was very traumatic for, for all of us. And it's still very hard. Um, you know, I, I try to keep her memory around me as much as possible because I do love her so much. Um, I just, she needed four more weeks to reach viability because she was only 20 weeks and two days and I couldn't survive four more weeks with an infection. Yeah. My, um, my twins were five and a half weeks premature. And, uh, while they didn't, they haven't struggled with as many health issues as other children have who are premature. There's a, there's a lot when they come before they're like come before they're you know, what is it fully developed? Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of issues that can come for that, from that, not to say that's a reason to terminate your pregnancy. Um, mm -hmm. but it's difficult. You're like, I, I just want to hold on. Um, but we don't know what would have happened when they were in the NICU. There was a baby that was born at a pound, one oh. pound. Yes. And I mean, the, we were, I was talking to the nurses and I was like, how are you keeping this this baby alive, like one pound, like <laughs> my daughter was like four pounds, four ounces. And, and she was the tiniest thing I'd ever seen. Yeah. And I can't even imagine. And they said, it's really hard. And the chances of survival are very low. And so it's, it's really difficult. Um, and you shared your story on social media. And the reason I asked you to come on is because people need to know like this is what you went through is technically an abortion. <laughs> and you shared that on social media. To, and, and the reason I asked you to come on is because I feel it's important for us to understand all the different kinds of situations where a decision like that would need to be made. We've had people on who they were just too young. Others had survived assaults you know, others just weren't ready. And, you know, it's a personal decision and in their stories are different than yours, but you shared your story on social media and it went viral. What yeah. happened next? I started receiving a lot of hate um, because of it. I was wished death. Um, I was called a disgusting murderer. I was told that my daughter is better off dead. Um, 
I was just called every name in the book that you can think of because of my story. Um, and I was told a lot of people said that if it were them, they would have given their life for their child and any mother should do that. And it just made me feel really small and it hurt like, because she was wanted and loved and I would have done anything to save her, but I couldn't. And those people who were saying those things that they would have done this or done that, they've never been in a situation like mine. And it's easier for them to say that. But when you have medical professionals telling you that you're going to die, yeah, then you have to make that choice. And so I, I received a lot of hate um, yeah. because I posted my story. And you're right. I mean, they've obviously never been in that situation or they wouldn't be here to argue with you on social media. Yeah, you're right. I feel like a lot of people who call themselves pro-life, I I don't consider them pro-life because they don't support other things that could support life, right? But I mean, that's a whole other story. Uh, But a lot of people who are pro-life, should they find themselves in that situation, um, and there's actual research behind this, uh, they often choose the option that they were hell-bent against because now they have skin in the game and now mm-hmm. it's it's affecting them. Uh, so there's a, there's a, yeah, the research is, I was reading a research article on it and it was absolutely like, wow, holy crap. Like, you know, people who are calling themselves pro-life but have had abortions um, or if they were put in that situation or they have been in the, that situation with themselves or a family member have chosen what they're hell bent against. And, and it's absolutely mind blowing to me. Right. The hypocrisy is just astounding. I mean, I, I, I'm like you, you call yourself pro-life, but you wish me death. That's not, that's not being pro-life. Um, that doesn't, I just don't understand how my life was not worth also fighting for um so yeah I but I also going viral I also received a lot of love um and I had women reaching out to me thanking me for sharing my story and saying that since I shared mine in a way I shared theirs too and I gave Mm -hmm their story a voice that they weren't able to put into words and um that support and that love and knowing that I helped other women far surpasses any hate that I received because those people who are giving me hate they're they're not worth my time and um I just refused it hurt at first and I, I made another post um, with all of the hate. And I, because I was tired of my family and friends saying that pro-life people would never say those things to me. So I took screenshots of everything that had been said to me and I made another separate post. And I said, this is what pro-life people were saying to me. This is what I was talking about. I'm not a liar. I'm not making this up 
people really do say these things and it's not okay. Yeah. I, um, one of the stories, abortion stories that we've shared on the podcast before was talking about when she was walking into the clinic, like literally people like screaming outside, calling her a murderer. And it's like, holy moly, you don't even know one. If you're going into a clinic, you don't even know if they're there for an abortion. Uh, most clinics offer like healthcare, you know, like, I mean, abortions, I consider healthcare, but reproductive healthcare for other things, right? Right. Um, like Planned Parenthood, most of their clinics don't even offer abortion. They offer like um, contraceptives, STI testing, pregnancy tests, like all those different things um, that can really help a woman in, and they have like a sliding scale and, and all of these things that are really helpful. And so you don't even know if somebody's there for that, but yeah. They uh, can say some pretty awful and and disgusting things. Uh, it's I saw a lot of the I saw a lot of the comments that you were getting under your post, and it it didn't surprise me because I've seen them before. Like I, I've gotten uh, terrible comments to me because I was talking about mental health one time. I was told to to take my meds. Um, wow. Yeah, I uh, there was one time I was talking about being a bisexual woman. I got told I was an abomination. I was going to burn in hell. Oh so my god! <laughs> I wasn't surprised by the yeah like that because <laughs> it happens all the time for a variety of reasons. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> the audacity of people just <laughs> never ceases to amaze me. And just strangers on the internet, right? Like, yeah. you don't even know who I am. And, and the internet is protecting you from having to deal with any repercussions of what you're saying. Right. You know, yep. they, wouldn't, they wouldn't say that. Well, I mean, I'm not saying they wouldn't say that to their friends and family, but the likelihood they would say that to the face of their friends and family is much lower. Right. And and one of the reasons I have this podcast is to share stories so people don't feel alone, but also so it shifts perspectives. And I feel like that's what your post did. I mean, were, did you get any comments of people like, I never thought of it this way? I actually did. I got several, and I saved those too, because um, I was actually asked that in another group if I they're like, sadly, I don't think that your story is going to really change the perspective of those who are pro-life. And I said, I've actually gotten people who have told me that my story has done that, that they've never thought of something like that happening and that my story changed their way of thinking. And they apologized. They apologized for being uneducated and they apologized for being crude and they thank me for my vulnerability and willingness to educate others um, while I was deeply hurting. Um, so I did. I do have several um, screenshots of people messaging me um, and telling me thank you for helping change the way that they think. That's amazing. I was having a conversation with a close friend of mine a couple weeks ago. And she's pro-choice, uh, but she she's she has some close people in her life who are not 
when we were discussing, I was like, it's not black and white. There's a lot of gray areas, right? And and where do the exceptions end? So these people are like, oh, there's exceptions for this, that, whatever. But if it's not clearly stated in the law, now it becomes a gray area and doctors may may hesitate to even do the procedure because it's they're afraid that they're gonna get sued. They're afraid they're gonna get in trouble. So right. I, I was reading an article from, that was telling a story of someone who went because she had um, it, an atopic pregnancy and uh, she was developing sepsis and they couldn't treat her right away because her doctor had to call his lawyer and ask like, in this law that has been passed, can I do this procedure? Oh my God. Yeah, this woman is dying and they have to ask, like, does this qualify as like whatever it was under the law? And so to me is like, there's so much gray area that no matter where you stand on the subject is like, if who decides what is, what is the right exception? Who decides when it's acceptable? Like, you know, in some places there is no exceptions. They don't make any exceptions. Some of these laws, there's no exceptions at all. Uh, right. Some of these laws, there's only exceptions up to a certain point. And there's, I feel like stories like yours are so powerful because it shows like, it highlights the fact that some of these laws in some of these places, you wouldn't have had that choice. Right. That's scary. I mean, to think that if that hadn't, if that law had been passed and I, the state that I was in wouldn't allow it and I would have to travel somewhere and and have the procedure and, and what, in the meantime, die? Yeah. Because I couldn't get the care that I needed in the state that I was in. I mean, it's just mind-blowing that we're in this predicament that we're in and that this this law, these laws have been passed and and women and women have been stripped of their rights. It's just, it's really sad. And women are going to die for, you know, for something that may or may not survive, may or may not become, you know, a baby because some, there's so many, one in four women have a miscarriage. Um, Right. You know, there's many times where the fetus doesn't make it to viability, like in your situation where like, what are you supposed to do? Like, there's, there's nothing you can do. And, and so you're, you know, some of these laws are telling women, you have to chance the very high maternal mortality rate in the United States, which is disgustingly high for a very developed country, but you have to risk your life for the possibility that it you may have a baby. Right. Yeah. So, and in, in your situation, you wanted this pregnancy. Like this wasn't even like, you know, I mean, not that, not that I'm bashing on anybody who makes a, I don't want this to be construed as like anything wrong. Like I fully support all of the things, like all the choices, whatever they may be, but how difficult it had to be for you because this was a baby you had, you had hoped for, you had dreamed for, you had gone through all these procedures to have, only to have to make this really difficult choice. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, IVF has not 
inexpensive. You know, it cost us $20,000 to have her. And so why on earth would I just flippantly say, yeah, end my pregnancy? You know, that doesn't make any sense. And, you know, she, she was deeply loved and wanted and cared for and thought about. And I, I mean, I, I fought for two weeks in the hospital to save her. I was on bed rest. I, I couldn't shower. Like, and if I did, I got, I think I got one or two showers in the two weeks I was there and I had to sit down. They had to get me a thing to sit down in. Um, and then I had to use the bathroom and, and pans on in front of my husband, which was humiliating and <laughs> embarrassing. And, and I just laid there for two weeks trying to hold her in so that my cervix wouldn't dilate anymore. So why would I, I wouldn't fight so much and want her so much just to all of a sudden say, you know, let's, let's end the pregnancy. Like it, it wasn't taken lightly at all. And, and that's what some people refuse to see. Yeah. And, and wish you died. They wanted you and Isabella to die. Like there yeah. was no, like you survive and she survives. Like there, that was not even an option. Like, nope. it, 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 and, and it's disgusting to me that somebody would wish both of you to die and that, you know, you wouldn't be able to go on and have it and have more children. And um, to me, I feel like it's, it's more important, not more important, but it's important that your children now have a mom than you not to have survived. And these, these children have never come to this life. Yeah. And so I, it just, it breaks my heart that there is so much hate towards something people understand so little about and make all these assumptions and don't even realize it's not it's not as clear cut as people try to make it out to be no it's not and they like to think that it's black and white but it it isn't and they just live in their own world and refuse to try to step outside of it and gain knowledge and different perspective of of what abortion really is and what it means and what it that abortion is healthcare, period. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just, those that refuse to, to educate themselves on it um, are doing more harm than they are good. Yeah. And this comes from uh, trans, full transparency. If you went back like a decade plus, I was, I would have been considered pro-life except under certain circumstances. Uh, it's very judgmental of people who got abortions. And what started my transition to being more open-minded and learning more and hearing more people's stories is someone really close to me had an abortion and they didn't tell me for a very long time. And I, what I hadn't talked to them, I, like it had gone, like it had gone a while where they weren't very communicative with me. Like I was messaging them and like they would, you know, kind of, they weren't ghosting me, but they were like, kind of like not responding a lot. And then I went to, I just was like, Hey, I'm coming over to see you. And 
because like this has been going on too long and when i went uh to see them uh they i said what's going on like why haven't you been talking to me this is not usual like you know any of these things and they said i had an abortion and i was like what they were like yeah i had an abortion this is what happened and this is why i chose that and i was like why didn't you tell me like instead of just not talking to me and they were like because i know how you feel about them and i know i didn't want to deal with your judgment and i didn't want to deal with the comments you might make and i was heartbroken because this is somebody that i was really close with and they had to go through this experience on their own because I was such a closed-minded individual. And that just, that was the beginning of me learning and growing and understanding and, and seeing that there, there's so much nuance and who am I to say like what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. And I wish I could be the person I am today for that person like a decade ago or plus. I don't remember how long it was. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Needless to say, so this is coming from the things I say are coming from someone who I have been that person who is the judgmental person. Now, I don't think I would have ever told somebody that they should have died, but I, I had some very close-minded views. Well, and I just, I think it's amazing that you've came so far from that. Um, it's, it's, it's stories like yours. I should not. I should not just say stories like, like yours, people who are willing to share their stories who helped me get to this point. Like, yeah. You know, and you're helping other people get to that point. Thank you. And I think it was so brave and so important for you to share that. Um, as painful as it must have been to receive those kind of messages. Yeah, because I even had family and friends say some hurtful things to me like you know that wasn't an abortion you didn't have an abortion and I'm just um and and that I was using my story to push my agenda um and it just baffled me that they would think that and that I'm I told them just because you don't want to qualify what I have, what happened to me as an abortion doesn't mean that it's not. And the fact of the matter is, is that it was, it was an abortion and you can't just put, you know, abortion under this umbrella of what you think is ex uh, acceptable and not. Um, and the fact that they thought I would just use my daughter to further pursue any feelings that I have was hurtful because I would never ever use my baby girl in a negative in a negative way or to to further my agenda but I I was hoping that instead it would be like a legacy and that her story would be heard and her name would be seen and people would remember her and that's why I shared that yeah I can only imagine how hurtful that must have been to have people say things like that and I, you know if they looked under your insurance purposes 
pretty sure it would have the same like coding as if you had went to terminate a pregnancy earlier on. Right. Yep. And we actually, I had somebody on at one point, I've had so many guests and they just kind of muddle in, in my head. And I'm like, I know there was a story uh, where somebody <laughs> had mentioned that and they were like, what I, I went through uh, would have been considered uh, is considered an abortion even if other people are like no no that wasn't um because they had uh, a miscarriage and their body did not uh expel the baby and so uh they had to go through a a, a dnc and mm-hmm. you know they were like that is considered an abortion and, and they had a similar reaction um from their friends and family like no it's not that's not because people have this like stereotype in their head of what an abortion is. Right. And that's why I think it's important to show all the different, all the different scenarios that this, this might happen because, you know, back to these laws and everything like that is these people making these laws don't, don't know all the scenarios that this might happen. Like, and they might be like, Oh no, well, you know, that would fall under the law. And it's like, but actually, technically it wouldn't because of how you, how you wrote this and and how it comes off. And there's so many women out there that aren't going to have a choice and they're going to have to die. Yeah. And and that, like, that breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm fortunate. I live in a state that is very pro-choice and when all this was happening, they even passed even more laws uh, solidifying that. Uh, but, you know, not everybody lives in a state that is, and, and not everybody that d- lives in a state that has these really like strict abortion laws um, can afford to go to another state to get the right. procedure done. Right, because I, I live in Louisiana and it's banned here at, you know, first detectable heartbeat and some women don't even know at that time that they're pregnant um having a regular period like you may not know for like several months that you're pregnant yeah and and so women here if they need or want or choose to have an abortion they have to travel they have to find the means and and be safe about it you know because there could be repercussions for what they're doing. Yeah, some states are trying to pass laws making it illegal for you to go out of the state to get an abortion. Uh, It's just mind-blowing that this is going to continue to. As someone who had to have a procedure like that, how, how do you feel? How does that make you feel knowing that like in some states, your situation wouldn't have mattered. It it makes me feel like my life isn't valuable. That the life that they're only worried about the fetus's life. And and she was non-viable. So they're more worried about a fetus who cannot survive outside of the womb than they are an actual woman living, breathing person and what she's going through and what she's enduring um, during this time. And, and they couldn't care less. 
And that just angers me Mm. and it hurts. And it just feels like my life doesn't matter. And not just women, children too. Yeah. There, I mean, most people don't even realize like there are children out there who are having periods at like eight, nine years old. Like um, all of my daughters, well, one of them has not hit puberty yet, but all of my daughters started at the end of sixth grade, which makes them still like 11 years old, 11 years old, which means that they could have gotten pregnant at 11 years old, like 11. I I think of my, my youngest daughter who turns 11 uh, in a couple weeks, actually, or a little over a week when we're recording this. (laughs) and uh she's so itty bitty tiny person like uh, she's the tiniest she was the tiniest one or there's only one other kid that was tinier than her in her fifth grade class she is like the size of like a second or third grader like she's super tiny and when I hear about these little girls these little kids who are getting pregnant not obviously like by choice like even if they chose and they're like I want to have a baby they're not of a, they don't have enough brain maturity to even make that decision. But I think of her and she's a little tiny, she would die. Like there's no way she would survive a pregnancy. She's the tiniest little person. And so it's just uh, uh, women and children, women and children are being put at risk or people with uteruses, I should say, and children are being put at risk because someone somewhere decided that their lives aren't as important. Right. I just read a story actually the other day of a 10 year old that had been raped and she got pregnant. Um, And her state wouldn't allow for an abortion. So her mom had to travel to another state to get an abortion for her. and they actually, they convicted the guy of that raped her and everything, but they still, that state still wanted her, the 10 year old to carry a baby. And it's just disgusting. And I, I just can't imagine the world that we live in where people think that it's okay if a 10 year old gets pregnant for them just to carry a baby. Yeah. Yeah. And as a mom, I, I you know, we're both moms here is like, we're thinking of our children and it's like, are, are they even old enough? Like they're not old enough. I was a teen mom. Um, so I will say this. I wasn't old enough. Like (laughs) I was, I was 16 and I had my oldest daughter at 17, but my choice, I had a choice. I, I was, I'm very thankful. I had a choice. I do not resent my daughter for being born. I do not have any like negative, like feelings towards her because I had a choice. I made that choice. It was my choice to make. And I'm so thankful that I had that choice, but like, I wasn't old enough at 16. Like looking back, I was like, I was not mature enough to be a mom. And yeah. then they're expecting these little tiny, like 10 year olds to be a mom. It's just mind blowing to me. Mm-hmm. Mind blowing and, and horrifying. And you know, I'm so thankful for your willingness to share your story and, and show like there's so many nuances to abortion and it's not 
it's not as stereotypical as people try to make it out to be. They try yeah. to say like, oh, this rarely occurs, but like things, things like your situation and things like the children getting pregnant, they happen more than you'd like to admit. Mm-hmm. You just choose to ignore them. And that is, that's just awful that they look past that to say that they're okay with their decision, um, that they want to look past all of these stories and people and women who have been hurt, will be hurt, children, because they disagree with it. And so they want to push their beliefs on others and it's it's hurtful and it's going to cause a lot of problems well jessica as we wrap up the podcast today because the time actually goes by like really fast (laughs) (laughs) what would you like to leave the inspired women audience with just that women should have or need to always have a voice and be able to make decisions for themselves without facing repercussions and that we should be supportive and loving of others and know that decisions aren't made lightly. Um, and that our actions and our words they have repercussions and they are hurtful. So be careful with what you say and the things that you tell other women that they should be doing with their bodies because it could be really detrimental. I mean, all I could think when you're, when I, when you're, we're, we're telling us like the negative uh, comments that you got is, what if you were in a bad mental health state and what if you were barely clinging on right like clinging on by a thread and i have been there i've been in that state and just that one comment pushed you over the edge yeah um i struggle with mental health and uh i depression has been fighting my for my life has been really, really hard. Um, and it doesn't matter the medication I take or things I try to do or push it out of my mind, it's there. And um, people don't remember that when they're passing their judgments. Um, they don't remember that a woman or a person has feelings and they could and those feelings could be of just great grief and depression um and it it's just so it's hard to put into words because the things that the people said to me they really really hurt and I I had I had to leave my work one day and walk outside and just cry after reading one of them um 
And the thing is that the person who wrote that probably didn't care. No, they probably didn't even think about how that would impact you or who you are and what you might be going through. Um, I can relate to having really, really bad depression. I, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Um, so I have been, that, that's why I said is like, I've been in that dark place where like one thing would have pushed me just over the edge. Mm -hmm. and people on the internet are they're you know they have a barrier they're protected by the internet and they don't have to actually see you know the repercussions of what their words might do yeah. and and you know they they don't see how it has affected you and and frankly they probably don't give a shit what right. how it has you know because they're going to go on with their life you're just some stranger on the internet Heck, I've had people who weren't strangers on the internet say terrible things to me. I had to clear, clear house, uh, like, uh, you know, from the beginning in the last two years. So like from the beginning of the pandemic to now, I've had to clear house of some of the most hateful people that I've known most of my life who think that it's okay to say terrible things to somebody they've known their entire life practically. Oh my God. No, like that is that's so sad. It's just mind blowing, right? Yeah. Is the internet? I love the internet because it's allowed us access to all of these stories and all of these experiences and all these things going on, right? Like it's amazing. Like if it wasn't for the internet, I wouldn't have gotten in contact with you, and you wouldn't be on the podcast. Actually, most of my guests wouldn't have been on the podcast because frequently I reach out and I'm like, "Hey, you want to come on a podcast?" <laughs> <laughs> Um, but also it has like a really dark side where people have gotten used to being able to just say whatever they want, things they would never say to your face, but they would say whatever they want. Right. I have actually run into some of the people I've deleted off Facebook in person. They don't say a single negative thing to me. And I'm just, of course like, not. Imagine that you have, like, <laughs> um, you have a lot of like strength on the internet and then you see me in person and nothing <laughs> yep <laughs> um so jessica i would like to thank you so much for coming on and being willing to share i get nervous when i reach out to people on the internet because they're probably like this weirdo who knows <laughs> oh no <laughs> i was thankful that you reached out it, it really helped my heart that you offered that you wanted to share my story even further so i thank you for doing that oh it's okay you know Again, thank you for coming on. But I, I do, I think some people are like, who is this strange lady and what kind of intentions <laughs> does she have? And I'm just like, listen to the podcast. You'll know I don't have any bad intentions. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.